I was a huge, I'm not an activist per se, but I was very huge in the community and helping people. So all the time this was happening, I was in the community still helping people. Even though I was struggling and suffering, much, and it built up my track record in my community where my name is gold. There's no project, there's no, there's no dope spot, there's no body that you can find that's gonna say anything negative because I was helping so many people, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I needed help. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have a really cool guest today. Now, we could get into education, we can get into entrepreneurship, but most importantly, I got to understand how you became a principal of an entrepreneurship school. So, but without further ado, we can make people, you know, wait a little bit longer to That's wonder right. who is That's this man right. in the room, but without further ado, <laughs> please introduce yourself. My name is Brother Henry. They call me CEO Brother Henry. I am... The principal of entrepreneur school. Yes, that's it. And I'm also the co-founder. The principal and co-founder. Now, yes. what is the name of your um? So the name of our school is Kika First. It's Kika First, uh, Kika First Entrepreneurial Academy or Kika First Academy for Entrepreneurs grades K through 12. Got it. And how did you come up with Kika First? I was always curious about long that. story short. No, I like the long story. Long story short <laughs> <laughs> for a reason, right? Okay. <laughs> so my wife's name is Keyshonda. Okay. They called her Kiki growing up. Um, we went to Vegas and we was at Laugh Factory in Vegas. And one of the comedians, his thing was to go around and pick every person in the audience and he roasted every person. Yeah. Uh, we were maybe towards the back. So we had time to plan how we could not get roasted as bad in real life. So we had to make up these, these stories. So when he called on us, he's like, what's your name? I was like, my name is uh, Jay Stone and her name is Kikafer. And then he went clean in. But it was so funny that we brought it back from Vegas and we named our first product line Kikafers. We named our beauty supply store Kikafers. And then we named our school Kikafers. Really? Yes. On such a, like, a, um, a moment of levity, you guys literally built your entire, like, empire off of that name absolutely now as you guys are sitting there like figuring out how you're going to actually make this man not roast y'all so bad <laughs> what came like where did kikafer come from you were like okay let's do this nah mm -mm. kikafer that's it and then he came to talk to you what was coming what was going on through your mind it was just an accident i, I was trying to think of a name like what we're gonna say and the story was so wild i told him i worked at Foot Locker full-time at the mall and she was a sunday school teacher so I was trying to think of a name of a Sunday school teacher, but it just didn't come to me because he was funny. We were laughing at everybody else's jokes. Yeah. And then by the time he finally got to us, I just blurted it out. Like, Jay Stone and Kika first. And he was like, what kind of ghetto name? So I was like, he's like, I know that name is black. And I was like, oh, so, but from that, we realized that if we named our products that people would know, have an idea who we were just from hearing the name, so. 
Kika first. That's dope. That's it's not Swahili. <laughs> it's, it's no deeper meaning. People be thinking it's deep, like you really, know. Honestly and truly, I'm such a deep person, so you know I want to pick open all of the brand. <laughs> but here's the thing: you still are building a brand off of it. Absolutely. So when you think about what Kika first represents now compared mm -hmm. to where it came from, what does Kika first represent? Well, now it now where we're moving now, it's showing growth and pro in progress, and I wanted to show that. Um, no matter what your circumstance is, there's a way to elevate, right? Mm -hmm. So we want our name to be synonymous with elevation. Mm -hmm. Currently, it's synonymous with elevating young people, but we want to create a system that elevates young people and old people, especially in our communities mm -hmm. where we don't have, you know, we have resources, but maybe we don't access them or we have major trauma or we have these major situations. I want people to know and understand if I can do it, mm -hmm. trust and sure <laughs> that if God will take me and use me, he could use anybody, all right? Because I was last on the list. I checked twice. I was looking at the list. God, my name not on here. You forgot somebody. And then, oh, my name just made it to the list, but I was last place. So if he could use me, he could use anybody. That's, that's the point. <laughs> well, and you got to start somewhere. So I love the fact that you're building your um, foundation on helping young people do it. I'm really big on creating a framework, proving your concept on one person and or one type of like community and then building out that same impact for other people. So I think what you're doing is amazing. Absolutely. And honestly and truly, we got to get into your story because when you say I was not on the list and then I became <laughs> last on the list, it's like, okay, what were you doing before you decided to open up a school? Wow, that's so so many stories in there, right? Yeah. And when I was right when I was writing my first book, I went back and looked over my life and I was taking notes on things that happened and I realized I had been fired from 25 jobs plus, mm. right? I could not keep a job. Not because I'm not a good worker. I'm definitely a hard worker if you inspire me and you put me in position to be a hard worker. Mm -hmm. But I just kept getting jobs I didn't like. So I didn't I was working at Walmart. But Walmart wasn't invested in me and I wasn't invested in Walmart. I did just enough mm -hmm. to get a check, but not enough to get a promotion yeah. or not enough to move through the company. I had no desire to. And so in my story, that that's a huge part of it is like get a job, lose a job, mm -hmm. get a job, lose a job. The best job I ever got that I love. I was a police officer. And first of all, I didn't like the police. Oxymoron. Right. Don't like the police, but became a police officer. Mm. And so when I became a police officer, there was, there was this black police chief and he just revolutionized policing. I never seen anything where people just loved the police. It was on NIU's campus. So I was like, what is this that people are hugging the police and asking to hang out with the cops? Like I've never seen mm -mm. what's happening here. What's NIU? NIU is Northern Illinois University. Got it. Yeah. So, so you were a police officer on um, Northern Illinois University. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and actually we were state police. Um, our, my main jurisdiction is NIU, but we're state police at that point, but mm -hmm. we worked NIU. Mm -hmm. So I got a job there. I loved it. Um, but of course, all good things come to an end. The chief was huge on community service. It's very small on arrest. Um, it was more like helping people versus hurting people. So, um, of course, you know, he brought in all, he fired all these people. He fired like 90% of the department, hired all new people. There was women, there was blacks, there was Muslims, there was Buddhists. There was, he really diversified the police department to look like the community that we serve. Mm. And so, um, in him doing that, um, some stuff happened where they ended up, uh, they ended up firing him Well, not firing him. They, they put him on leave they ended up trying to fire him. And then they went after all his supporters and I was an avid supporter. 
And it really came down to, will you stand with him? Or will you stand with us? And I was like, well, this is a man that gave me an opportunity when nobody else gave me an opportunity. This is a man who believed in me when nobody else believed in me. This is a man who stood for me, so how could I not stand for him? Yeah. So even if it cost me being fired, which it did, I'm gonna do it. And then my wife also worked there. She was working undercover at the time, but because of how they treated me, she was like, I can't stay here. So she ended up leaving too. Um, but that experience um, just went and showed me like, you know what, if I own the police department, this would never happen because you can't, you know, when it comes to policing, a lot of times we don't understand as civilians that you can own your own police department. Mm. And we think, well, your taxes pay the police's, the policeman's check. No, we don't understand entrepreneurship. And there was nobody at that time in my life. And in this, this, this time period we're talking about the buildup, there was a lot of struggle for me. Like when I say struggle, whoo, my wife is a good woman. I'm talking about evictions, foreclosures, lights out, gas off, water off. Like we were, we were so poor at a certain point that we had to go to, we used to sneak to the YMCA at night to take showers right before they closed. Cause we couldn't didn't have running water at home. This so like, this is, this is after we got married. Mm -hmm. So the struggle was real. Yeah. Um, and the thing was we went from six figures to nothing, six figures to food stamps. And from going from the police, force, going from the police force, figures, both of you guys are in the police force. She's undercover. You're um, an avid supporter of the police chief, both making six figures or like six figures combined. Together? We probably, I don't August. know, but yeah, definitely six figures combined. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And you both lose your homes. I'm not your home, your income. Did you, you said you lost your home? Yeah, we, we, I lost. I ended up losing the home. I ended up, my house ended up getting foreclosed on. Um, so we ended up losing the home. We ended up losing the cars. We ended up losing pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. We had a home, but if the electricity is not on and the water's not on, you're just a fancy homeless person, right? Yeah. You're not homeless, but the things that make a home a home aren't present, Absolutely. right? So, um, but the crazy thing is while all this was happening, I was a huge, I'm not an activist per se, but I was very huge in the community and helping people. So all the time this was happening, I was in the community still helping people. Even though I was struggling and suffering much, and it built up my track record in my community where my name is gold. There's no project, there's no, there's no dope spot, there's no body that you can find that's gonna say anything negative because I was helping so many people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I needed help. Are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now here's the thing, if you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app and I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community, we have a book club, and it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get ahead head start on entrepreneurship. So if you're still trying to grow, you don't know what your business is going to be, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur, this is the community for you. So check out the morning meetup, click the link below, download the app and join us today. Yeah. And in that struggle, what I realized later down the road to answer your question, I said all that to say is I realized there was nobody in my community teaching me entrepreneurship to give me a way out besides go to school. Cause I tried school. I got straight A's. I didn't like it. So I dropped out. Right. So I didn't have any answers. I was completely out of answers. Like, what do I do in my life? I feel like a loser. There's nothing I could do to provide outside of like job after job or working factories and factories. I'm way too much of a social butterfly and too creative to be in a factory. Like I would be on the line like, 
Are y'all cool with <laughs> putting this screw in the box? Like, we just gonna do this? Always. I'm, I'm the same way, where it's like, you, you do the menial tasks, whatever the menial tasks, because it's not just the, you know, um, the conveyor belt type role, but it's just like, when it's menial tasks, that's always the type, the time in your life where you ask yourself, like, yo, is this, is this all we're gonna do? Is this Man. all that we're cracked up to do? I'm curious about your journey, though, because when you were in the police department, <laughs> You got it. You were faced with the, the option. It sounds like mm -hmm. to support or not to support, and then your wife also was faced with the option of to support or not support. So you're facing losing your job, losing your six-figure income, losing your stability. What is going on through your mind at the time when you're faced with you know all of these things? Like where were you, where were you guys thinking? This is how we're going to make it out. Or so I saw entrepreneurship as a way out. I just didn't understand entrepreneurship, right? So hmm. I took thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. If anybody knows Chicago, I went and got, um, my friend had a store in Madison. So I went and bought, at that time, it was like Ed Hardy and like Dolce & Gabbana. So I had like all these designer clothes and I had purses. And a friend of mine, he was doing like purse parties, killing it. And I was new to the city. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do that instead to supplement the income. What I didn't know, you said you were new to the city. I was new to that. Well, we moved to the city called Rockford. After leaving the police department? We, we were there, but I didn't really know anybody, right? We were in Rockford, but I didn't okay. know anybody. We were still new to We had just moved there um, a few years. We'd only been there like two or three years. Got it. Two so, or three years on the police force in Chicago. No, in, in, in NIU. NIU. Yes, NIU is not in Chicago. NIU is like... 50 minutes outside of Listen, Chicago. Listen, everybody in ATL, so, every time we, we hear Chicago, everything, it's kind of like is the, uh, in Atlanta, right? And everybody's like, no, that is not Atlanta. Like, you do not live in Atlanta. Okay, right. so you're on the police force, and at the same time, so, you're exploring these, these um, um Yeah, so right, like, maybe right after, right? So right after, I'm like, Let's let's try to you know do let's try to so I get buy clothes. I'm like yo girls wear clothes. Mm. I know where the girls hang out at. Let's go you know do purse parties or whatever. Failed miserably. I just had an attic full of <laughs> Louis Vuitton and you know what I mean purses and just everything. Um, I then I tried also. I had this idea. Um, there was this brother, uh, Larry Johnson, former NBA basketball player. Um, so Larry Johnson had this thing called Everlasting Water, right? I'm in a nation, so that this plays a big part of it, right? So a brother, brothers are influential, like, hey, you gotta try this water. This water is great. So I'm like, oh, I can sell five gallon jugs of water, it's pure, I can help people, mm -hmm. and it's entrepreneurship, I can take care of my family. So the first day, I, I don't know, I might've got $5,000 worth of water. So load it up, come back to my house, the water's in the basement, um, and I'm selling water like crazy. I'm like, yo, this, I found it, this is the thing. But because there was nobody to teach me entrepreneurship, I didn't understand that that's my warm market. And once my warm market exhausted, okay. <laughs> the next day I'm like, yo, I just got a basement full of water and no clientele. So you are se you're selling water like hotcakes and you said you identified it was your, your warm market. So what did you do to start selling your waters in the beginning? I, that's, that was it. I just only, I didn't, see the thing was, I didn't even know what a warm market was. At this point in my life, I had no idea of anything business related except for the things I was making up at the time. It was all trial and error. Right, so what and were so you doing? I sold to my warm market. I called everybody I knew, gotcha. buy this water. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, I was like, how am I gonna move water? So I was like talking to people, asking people, hey, do you drink water? <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, we drink water. My like, half hey, sell these five gallons and it's like all, a day of all no's, right? And there, there was nobody to tell me like, no just means not now. 
Like, take your no's, and eventually you're going to get a yes. Nobody was buying water? Nobody was buying. Well, the thing was, yeah. they were buying it. They just yeah. wasn't buying it from me. Because remember, this is, this is before the internet was what it was, right? This is like 2000, maybe 13, 14, or whatever, right? So YouTube was there, but it wasn't like how it is now, and the internet wasn't quite what it is today. But I'm talking right? about, you talking about water. I feel like Iverson. We talking about water. water. <laughs> Five-gallon jugs of water. Five-gallon Five jugs of water. Jugs. That's like the ones that um, you said. They go in the. Okay. Yeah, right. Nobody was buying. Nobody. And I was like so discouraged, right? I'm like, yo, I've asked 100 people. Everybody said no. Like, no, we get our water from Walmart. It's 99 cent. I'm like, yeah, but this water's better. It's pure. I had the whole script, right? You got the full jug. I got the full thing. And I, I'll come when it's empty. I'll come pick up your bottle. I'll resupply you. I gave them my, my whole script. Mm -hmm. Nobody was moving. Failure. Ooh, right. I, I, now I, there are some some sad points. What are you thinking about in terms of your skills? Because at this point, you've had 26 jobs. You worked at the police force. You've gone into selling luxury bags, and sales honestly is one of those core fundamental skill sets that you have to be able to have as an entrepreneur. So, what is it at this time that you are telling yourself I am good at? As you're experiencing depression. that you're not. <laughs> yeah. I was good at depression. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that it was like, I literally was like, oh, I got to go get a job. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's back into the world of getting jobs gotcha. and the jobs become depressing. Especially, so I started working like in the schools, mm -hmm. which at that time I didn't know was good for me now. But at that time it was so depressing because I was working in the schools and I would see stuff happen to the children that look like me. Mm -hmm. And I want to be an advocate, but an advocate for that child means you're fired. So I had to stay quiet. What does and, that mean? Advocate um, for the child means So quiet. I was security in this school called Kennedy in our school city, right? It's like one of the worst schools in the city. Mm -hmm. When I got there on the first day, like I was in the school for two minutes. I swear to God, this is a real story. A call comes over the radio. We need all security to come to the cafeteria now. Emergency situation. I get down there. There's a little boy this big. He has the six foot two principal in a headlock. And like he's going to work on the principal. It's a, she's a female. And they're like, we need you to break it up, but you can't really touch the children. And in my mind, I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I'm confused. Why does this boy have the principal in a headlock? And everybody else, everybody else is normal. Like, this is the everyday activity. So I'm in this school. There's an average of like four fights a day. People are cussing teachers. Like, it's just, it's wild stuff happening. The, mm -hmm. the teachers themselves were wild. So I'm like, I'm seeing stuff firsthand. And I want to, like, parents are coming in to talk to the administration. And I want to say something to the parents, like, hey, they're blaming your child for this, but your child's not 100% guilty. Like, I watched this happen in the class. I seen what happened. I can be an advocate for you, but I just can't do it in school. I can tell you outside of school. So I really wanted to say something. I really wanted to stand up and really be able to have that power to, like, empower the parents and empower the students because I saw so much stuff being wrong, but I didn't have it because I had a job. And it got to the point where it was like, well, you can either say something or don't. And then the people that worked there before me, they started saying something. They fired them all. So then I was like, okay. My wife was like, listen, listen, Negro. <laughs> All right, this is job number <laughs> on the wall, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you need this job. So for me, it's one of those things that was like, if I stay here, I feel like I'm gonna have, like jump off a roof or something because it's just watching our children suffer like this is and seeing that, knowing that I can help, but I'm not really seen as an asset. I'm just security. But all the children would come talk to me. They would always come run to me and they would always come tell me things like, can you help with this? Can you help? So they wanted me to advocate for them, mm -hmm. but I wasn't in a position to advocate for them because I was just security. You said just security, but at this time, when did you 
when did you recognize that you could be a solution to the problem? Not at that time. You didn't No, I left all. that job. Not at that time. You just knew I'm not going to speak up because I need to keep my job. And you also recognize these young people are coming. I would, I would speak up to my supervisor. Because mm -hmm. that's what you're supposed to do, right? Tell your supervisor. And my supervisor was like, we know. Got and that's it. as far as like everything died at the supervisor. Like our job ain't to be involved, involved in the academic affairs of the children. Our job is to make sure people are safe. That's the only thing you need to be involved in. So for me, I'm, I'm like, these are my babies. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, cause I know these children outside of the school. Like I know some of these children's parents, like these children are coming and telling me secrets. They're telling me stuff that's happening at home, like traumatic stuff. I'm, you know, I'm vested in the lives of these children, but I don't have the power to affect the lives of these children. So for me, it was tough. It was really tough. Cause it's like, you want to help, but everything you're trying to do is really, unless you're going to get fired. And remember I spoke up before already we already got fired from the police department job so i'm like okay now i'm rebounding working security if you speak up again you know how it's gonna go so interesting that you asked that what ended up happening is i rolled that job out to the end of the year i decided at the, at the end of the year like i'm not coming back they're gonna pay us into the summer i'm not coming back and then i found what really changed my life was refereeing really yes refereeing is how we got to this point refereeing for what eight like uh, like sports no no but like is it um AAU, basketball, everything. Really? I did basketball, football, volleyball, baseball, softball, All everything. external or in, inside the school, inside um, the schools? Everywhere. Like, not just, so I did the schools, but I did the leagues, but I did everything. So How do you become a referee? It's pretty easy. In our state, in almost all states, you just, there's like different leagues and things, but you mm -hmm. go to your state, there's like a process. You go to a camp, you get certified, you pay like $50, and then... What was your process? Like, how did you find, because I don't know if, if I've ever heard someone say, hey, I'm going to become a referee. Um, now, funny thing is, though, I did see a... Uh, I was watching a TED talk with the referee and he talked about all these skills that he learned about like self-regulation and how to not take things personally. Absolutely. Because like, everybody, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. So like, that's probably the only example I know of someone who had gone into being a referee. So how did you find out about <laughs> refereeing and how did you pursue it? So interesting. I learned about refereeing from a 17 year old kid who was refereeing. Oh. He was like, you should do it. It's, it's easy money. I was like, how much they pay? That was my only question. How much they pay? Mm -hmm. Then I seen like, it was like, oh, once you get good, you can negotiate your own contracts. Mm -hmm. I was like, huh? So I was like, all right, I played basketball growing up. I know basketball, I can do basketball. So I did it and after I did like, I did a tournament one weekend and I was like, yo, I just made a thousand dollars in a weekend. And then life changed because I made it. And in refereeing, because everything is on you, you don't have a boss, you set your own schedule, mm -hmm. you work when you want to work, you negotiate your contracts. I was like, yo, I'm onto something. Something feels different now, okay. right? And the crazy thing was, every time I did a sport, I would be refereeing the game, but like every time in between, I would be writing down notes for business. Cause I was like, yo, we had a product line and um, like our product line, we ended up getting a deal with Walmart and then we didn't, we didn't take the deal. And like my product line was growing and these things were happening. So now my mind is moving. So I was using sports and I knew that working the sport, it wasn't the end goal for me to be refereeing, but it put me in the mindset of a job enough where it made me creative. So at like in between quarters or in between innings or whatever the case may be, I would be writing this stuff down like for business. Yeah. Then at the end of the game, I would have a list full of stuff for business. Like I gotta go implement this. And it really helped us grow in business. It helped me grow in entrepreneurship to the point where I was able, we were able to take our product line and flip it into an actual retail beauty supply store. And so refereeing for me, it just opened my eyes up like, hey, there's a whole nother world out here 
that you need to get into and your plan, like all this time you've been looking for something, here's a clue of what you've been looking for. It's funny right. that you say all this time you've been looking for something because as when you find refereeing, you said that you knew refereeing wasn't your end goal. And up until this point, this is the first time we're talking like, I know this isn't my future. It's like, this is the first time in your story we talk about future. So growing up, you talked about Walmart, you talked about the different jobs that you've had. What, how would you describe what it was like growing up with a vision, with your mindset of success? What was it like for you growing up? What did you think you were going to be doing with your life? Um, uh, I, like most black children, thought I would go to the NBA, right? And then once I realized I, play, I played... You wanted to go to the NBA? I wanted to go to the NBA. I, the thing was, I never played against players that were better than me in my area and okay. even in our tournaments. Like, we were, we were good. Until uh -huh. I ended up going to this tournament. I'm about to I'm about to give my age away now, right? In this tournament, I'm going into high school. I'm not in high school yet, but we're playing against this team called Am One, who at the time nobody knows who they are, uh -huh. and they have these all Americans on their team named Kevin Garnett and Ronnie Fields. And Kevin Garnett helped me understand at that point in time, you're not going to the NBA. <laughs> Big fish in a little pond. He well. let me understand that he was a, a whale <laughs> and I was a goldfish, like. It wasn't even fair the way like their team was like all Americans. It wasn't even fair the comparison. Like I wasn't used to playing basketball and seeing somebody as quick as me. The point guard was like six seven and two times quicker than me. So I'm like, yo, I can't do nothing with these people. I knew at that moment like NBA is not it. Like you're not going to the league. But I but I did have some entrepreneurial visions, right? I don't know. Can I? Right, I'm gonna share this on you. It's Statue of Limitations is over, so <laughs> share this story. It's in my book, I think. So my cousins, I was living in DeKalb. Mm -hmm. My cousins all moved from Chicago to DeKalb. They all got a job at the 7-Eleven. And one way or another, the lady who worked there was like, I'm trusting you guys because none of the cameras in my store work and I'm transitioning out, whatever. So I get a phone call from my cousins like, come to 7-Eleven, you can get whatever you want. So the business minded me kicked in automatically. I had a huge duffel bag. And I began stacking inventory, right? Go to school, had no books in my locker. I had a long list of products. Mm -hmm. Like you could get anything from me, gummy worms, gummy bears, candy bars, dog food, cat food, batteries, magazines. Literally, I was bringing 7-Eleven to school and selling. So I was making like $60 a day in high school selling hot candy, right? And so I was like, and I love it. 100% profit. 100% profit. There was no struggle. Yeah. <laughs> it was all, it was all, but it was the idea of entrepreneurship. It was to the point where teachers would be like, hey, you don't got to come to class, but I need, you know, my, I need this dog food. I need such. So I was cutting deals with teachers, right? The art of negotiation. Hey, I need an A in this class and you need stuff too. Are you serious? Dead You're serious. I swear to God. That a teacher is letting you out of class in order for, like, for you to get there. Because I was a problem child. So, so they didn't want you in class anyway. It wasn't like they was losing anything. Like me not being in their class made their class better. Because now your class isn't being interrupted. The class clown isn't there. Nobody's fighting, right? I got... In my, so growing up, I was suspended in school from kindergarten year to sophomore year every single year for fighting. Every single year without, like, I was that kid. Why would you say you were fighting so much? Uh, maybe I had daddy issues. I don't know. Maybe. Cause my, maybe. May, well, here's the thing. My dad left. My parents got divorced at six when okay. I was six. My dad left. He was still around a little bit. Mm -hmm. He would come and go. So he wasn't, like, completely void in my life, but he wasn't, like, in it. Um... But no, I, it might have been just the social influence. Like the, the, my peers who I was hanging around, 
and our influence was like, like my big cousin who I looked up to was a uh, he was a chief and he was one of the big gangsters in in Chicago that was running all kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. he got locked up for later. Um, my other cousin who I looked up to, he ended up being a police officer, but he moved out to Chicago Heights, mm-hmm. so I didn't have like that male figure role model anymore. And then there were men in my community that did an amazing job providing for us, but it was like they they gave us a lot of sports and like Bible study. Which was cool, but when sports and Bible study get over at seven o'clock, still, from from seven o'clock till midnight, the streets is calling. Right. And so now we in the street. Mm-hmm. And so that was me. Like I was, yeah, I was that. Like somebody say something to me, it was no. There was I wasn't the kid that's gonna push you back and forth and talk. It's like as soon as they say something, it's green light. So mm. from kindergarten to sophomore year, suspended every year without fail for without fighting. Fight. Junior year, I got expelled on the last day of school. Funny story. Got expelled on the last day of school my junior year because I also was the kid in high school who liked to start food fights. Like me and my friends, that's what we did was food fights. So it was finals, last day of school. I didn't have any finals that day, but I came to school with like two, two duffel bags of stuff. So security got nervous like, why do you have two duffel bags and you don't have any classes? I was like, I just gotta get my books. So they let me go to your locker. They opened my locker up, there's like eggs. There's like all kind of stuff for like food fights. They're like, Oh my God, I had so much stuff in my locker for a food fight. My friends yeah. was dying laughing. I got popped off. So they expelled me, but they couldn't turn the paperwork in time before the day expired. So they couldn't give me an official expulsion. They just said for the summer, you can't come on the property. But they couldn't expel me to come back senior year. And in senior year, I barely went to school anyway. Why? Because so, you were in the streets? Not even because I was in the streets. I just I already knew I was going to graduate. I had all my credits. I was smart. Okay. I you just, were smart. I was smart. I just was troublesome and mm-hmm. didn't have... I had, and here's the thing, I can't say that I didn't have guidance, right? Because we say that a lot of times, all oh, these children need guidance. No, yeah. the men that were present in my life, they were giving me good guidance. Yeah. My mother raised me with some sense. I just was acting like I didn't have none. It's one of those things where the children have to go, they have that rebel, where they rebel against their parents. And I was in my rebel phase and that's just it. I was in my rebel phase, so I was mm-hmm. acting like I didn't have no sense. Okay, so when you look back at it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. What did the influences around you want you to do? Or how did they want to, you know, influence you? Um, I had some men in particular who I love to this day. I give them their flowers. Um, my father wasn't that present and they represented like fathers in my life. Like my mother got sick. They would take her to the hospital. They had programs that they ran in the summertime. We were always in summer. We were always in AAU basketball, traveling. Um, we used to come to Rockford and whoop Rockford. Shout out to Rock for getting whooped. All right, we used to. Um, they would take us. Man, man, they would take us to. Um, you know, we went to the projects like in, in the height of Chicago's projects, like snipers on the roof. We was playing basketball in the projects, so like they toughened us up. Like my coach, when I was younger, uh, Mr. Wright. I don't get him in trouble, but statue of limitations, right? Like we were the generation that because we were so, they understood like we were so into the streets. Like if we messed up, our coach would like still on us, like straight to the chest, chest shot. But it made us tough. Cause I was like in the, when I get into a basketball game, if you foul me, I don't care. You can, you, you might foul me, but I, if I got to choose between fighting my coach and fighting you, I'm fighting you. So he toughened us up. It made us tough. And, um, I mean, we had men that was doing the best they could do with yeah. giving us and pouring into us and, you know, teaching us stuff that we wasn't getting. They was giving us black history. Mm-hmm. They were giving us different things, trying to sh- taking us places, showing us stuff. It's just that, like, the, the, nobody calculates when we do stuff like that for children. Like, it's good. And you got them till seven. But from seven to midnight, 
there's a lot that happens from seven to midnight. And even if you're like, well, your children should be in the house. Yeah, but they should be, but I wasn't. So, so in the beginning, it's, it's so interesting that you had this tumultuous beginning and not because of external factors, but it sounds like because of like your own internal. Absolutely. I don't even know. What I wanted does. to be like my friend. Like they say peer pressure is real. Mm -hmm. I was more influenced by my friends than anybody else. So and my friends, like our influence was like Tupac and Bone Thugs and like hip hop at that time was extremely influential. Mm -hmm. So I can't like, how can I listen to Bone Thugs? Right and be soft at the same time. Like I can't turn on bone thugs and then at the same time, like I'm about to go to chemistry class and do this chemistry, like, hey, that was you know, some people that it was one story. <laughs> it was, it just didn't fit me like at the right. time, like, and it, and it was, so I, I wasn't like, I never joined a gang or anything like that, but I was around it. Yeah. And like, because all, everybody around me was in a gang and my family, I had family members that was in gangs. It was like, okay, well, if something happens, you gotta, you gotta be, you know, you got to stand your mark, let people know you're not a punk. And in my mind at that time, not being a punk was I got to throw hands yeah. because I didn't. There were, even though people were, in, were pouring into me, there was nobody. I, I didn't feel like in my life that anybody ever poured into me um, like something that was so life changing that it made me see differently. When I joined the nation, it did. Right. Because I went from like selling um, call it street street um, street products <laughs> from selling street products to reading books, mm -hmm. to not smoking, not drinking. Like I, I stopped smoking and drinking at like 20 and never went back. When did you join right? the nation? Um, 20. You were 20 so years old? Tw 20, 21, something like gotcha. that. So when I joined the nation, never looked back, right? Never smoked, never drink anything. And I had all these positive male role models in my life mm -hmm. that completely changed my life. It was like, hey, respect women, open doors for women. Um, you know, all, so all these principles. So that changed my life in that way, but it just, it didn't, there was no economic balance there. Yeah. So spiritually, great. I'm, a, I'm a, books, I was reading books out this world. I was, you know, in books spiritually there, but economically not there. Got and it's it. a huge imbalance to be spiritually, to be spiritually, mentally, morally great, but economically there was, it was just missing. And that piece was missing from my life. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly and truly the making of a man who is spiritually, mentally together, right? But the other pieces aren't there. I'm curious to know, like, what was it like for, because in, in entrepreneurship, honestly and truly, sometimes it could be um, beneficial for you to have a spouse. And then sometimes it can be a distraction, right? True. And for you to have your spirituality and your morals together, when did you, you're 20 years old when you joined the, the, Say brotherhood? Nation. Nation. Yeah. yeah. Um, when did you find your spouse? When did you find um, your wife? When did we get married? Like 24? You were 24? Yeah, we got married young. I think I, I think I, so our anniversary, my birthday is August 3rd and we got married August 5th. Yeah. So, um, she, and it's, it's interesting because when I, when I met her before she was my wife, she was like, we had a conversation. She was trying to recruit me to do a prepaid legal. Okay. And because she was in prepaid legal mm -hmm. and my captain in the nation was in her thing for prepaid legal. So she was like, oh, I know your people already. So she ran her game and I was like, well, if you come to me and she's like, I was like, come to the mosque, check it out. She was like, I don't believe in God. So I mean, I'll come, but I don't believe in that stuff. So it was like a good fit at the time. And uh, she was a D1 All-American basketball player. So it kind of, we, we had our love in basketball Moment. type of moments where you know we work at the same gym. She's in college. Yep. And you're in, what are you doing? I was supposed time? to be in college, but I dropped out. Oh, okay, yeah. so you went to college. I went, yeah, but I just didn't finish. I went several times actually. I was, I'm gonna go back because I had good grades. 
But I just, I would be in class and I would be like, just, yeah. I'm gonna finish it because I'm here, but like, this ain't for me. Got you. Like, what, what were you studying? Uh, I was started off with sociology. I think I switched to something else and then gotcha. I switched and it was like, uh, gotcha. this ain't for me. So but I was still present, right? So I was getting the experience, but, but I wasn't necessarily involved. And then, um, yeah, I met her. Yeah. And, um, she was cool. She was cool. I met her, met her basketball team. We used to go to the games and check them out. And um, Did you ever join pre prepaid legal? I did not, okay. but I will tell you, I did Primerica at like 1920, right? When I joined the nation, I ended up doing Primerica. I made no money in Primerica, mm. but the I'm training- I'm seeing a trend here. Are you seeing a trend? I am. I am. The trend is that start, stop, start, stop, no. right? That, there's something for some reason, sales. True. The true, water, true. right? Being able to sell the water, um, Primerica. I think that honestly and truly, one of the things that I admire about entrepreneurs is like the sales skills. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. I never necessarily even had an opportunity to be in a sales opportunity. But really? the trend is like, yo. I did Primerica though, but here's the problem. At 19, you if you join Primerica at 19, yeah. your prior years, you should have if your your prior years to join in Primerica, you needed to be straight and clean. None of my people could be clients because they was all in the street. Like you could you can't get insurance if you couldn't at that time you had to be able to pass a weed test. Everybody got high, mm. everybody was drinking, everybody was like doing living this life that I knew. Mm. So when I brought like I would have appointments running every day and we'll set up six appointments and we'll have six failures. And so what I learned though was like consistency because mm -hmm. my, my, my coach at the time was my, my brother and minister and mentor. He was like, listen, you can't let the nose, you know, turn, can't let the nose, uh, you know, turn you away. You got to keep going. So I would run an appointment, 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 appointment. I made a few checks here and there mm -hmm. and the training was a one. The training is how the, the, that training helped me become a public speaker. That training is where I learned like, oh, speak in the mirror. So then I became, I'm like, okay, so that's one thing that I did. I did want to do always, but I just couldn't figure out my niche. Like I always wanted to be a public speaker, mm. but I couldn't figure out my niche. So I was like, I can teach, like I can teach the teachings. Cool. I can represent the minister, but I don't want to be a minister. Right. So I'm like, that's not quite my thing. And I didn't know what it was. And I would get booked Until for speaking now. gigs. It's, it's right? like you found your niche now. Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah. Now I'm in my bag. Yeah. But, but it, it's, it was a long road to get there, though. Like, all this, you know, the last three years of my life really and truly is completely different from all the rest. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not an overnight thing because everything else that happened built up to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. But because I went through all of that, I was able to build up to where I'm at now. So. Yeah. When did education become important to you? Because for... I'm look as I'm looking at you, and I'm sure other people who are looking at you. You're principal of a school, mm -hmm. and though it's about entrepreneurship, one would assume that like edu education became a thing. Would that be a correct assumption? Well, here's the thing: education is important if we if we define education properly. Mm -hmm. So I tell my students all the time: if I don't, ten years from now, when you graduate, nobody's going to ask you what your GPA was in the sixth grade. Don't matter, right? The skill sets that you learn matter. So true education should be able to take what's buried deep inside you, pull it out and make you great. Like real education should be able to make you great. So one of my, when, people, when I talk about education, I'm always, I'm always making these comparisons from what I've seen in our personal, in my own city with the majority of, if I looked at like the last 50 shootings, I did a report, last 50 shootings, 40 of them were athletes. And there were athletes who didn't have grades to go to college. They ended up in the street, mm -hmm. they ended up getting shot, mm -hmm. right? Cause that's what happens in the streets, right? But if they had real education while they were in school, they wouldn't even ended up in that position. So when we talk about education, well, how did this child graduate? Another example, when I opened my beauty supply store, 
there's this young boy that I hired to my store because he uh, was part of a program I did in their high school and he just graduated high school. I bring him to my store. I'm like, all right, let's get you, you know, set up with the cash register and stuff. Oh, he can't really read. So like, okay, so we test him on Khan Academy. He tests into the first grade. Okay. We give him first grade stuff on Khan Academy for three months. This kid's in my store going through a notebook with pages full of notes, learning first grade material, and he can't, he can't get through it. He's struggling to get through. He's like, yo, I don't understand the concepts. Like, they never taught me this. I'm like, but you just graduated high school. So for me, without crying, it's like, you got to do something. It's like, either you're going to cry about it and just give up or you got to do something. So education for me, like it's not real education unless you can make the child greater holistically because mm -hmm. it's more than just social studies class, science class, math class. Holistically, are you helping that child? Like with our children, yes, we want them to learn those things, but most of our families come from trauma. Most of us come from neighborhoods that are deprived. Most like there's so many other aspects that go into education that's more than just read this textbook, memorize this and then write this down and now, you, now you're smart. There's so many other facets that go into education. So we can't just look at a child who's watching his mom get beat at night, come to school the next day, he don't wanna behave in school or he don't wanna do nothing in school. Automatically a teacher may say, well, you're not behaving. Yeah, but what's the big picture? You know, education should help inspire to like, not just, you, you, not just that you've seen your mom get beat, what are you going to do about it? Not in the sense that you can go fight your stepdad or whoever this guy is putting his hands in his mom. You might not be able to do that, but in the future, you might be the person who creates the foundation that takes men who suffer from this mental trauma where they feel like they have to put their hands on women and maybe now you can impact their lives to stop, to stop it before it happens. Like for me, that's what education is. So that type of education is extremely important to me. It's gotta be applicable. It's gotta be real time. It's gotta deal with real solutions for our children right now and for our community right now. If it doesn't, that's not education. You're making batteries and you, wanna, you want factory workers you want people that's gonna go on the line and put the screw in the box. You want people that's not gonna think their way out of problems. You want people that's not gonna use critical thinking, mm -hmm. that don't have high comprehension skills, but real education, real education is completely different. So, Let's go. I wanna fix your mic. Oh yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. got a little excited. Uh, my bad, I ain't got turned up a little bit. <laughs> a little he bit. got turned up. <laughs> a little bit, something. I love uh, how you broke that down. How important, like one, we talk about education from this like turnkey, you know, process where we teach the subjects and then we learn the school and the way that I learned what I was going to be good at, it was like, oh, I'm good at math. I want to be a CPA. Mm -hmm. Super linear, right? Absolutely. But what you're talking about is this nuanced approach where a person is learning about how to problem solve, how to get out of their own like detrimental situation. You're talking about trauma. So when, at what point did you decide I want to create an environment, a learning environment for young people, and it's going to be about entrepreneurship. Um, that's interesting. So we had our beauty supply store. Above our beauty supply store, we had a second floor that we would rent out for like events and stuff, like event space. So me and my wife having this conversation, we're like, we don't make money on the second floor except for Fridays and Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. So nobody rents it out Monday through Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we never make money in the daytime. So how can we make money in the daytime? What can we do? So my first thought was have a school. I went to Google, did the research, found out a school was way too expensive. So we left the school idea alone. Okay. Because a traditional model school, there's like, you're gonna need a million dollars plus to get the game going. So I was like, well, we ain't got that. <laughs> so we left that idea alone. But as it happens, as time kept, was, was moving forward over the next couple months, 
like me and my wife both kept having these different, we would run into these different things that were like glimpses. And it was like, huh. But we, it wasn't all put together, right? So Glimpses of the vision of a school? Yes, but it was like, mm. like you know, if, if a school did this, they could, you know, it, it might look different. Mm. And what was happening is just the way that my personal belief in like the spirit and spirituality, like the universe was leading us on this path, right? And it was giving us all the signs that we needed to green light this thing. So what ultimately ends up happening is um, my wife meets this lady who has a school with one student. So she's like, how are you at school? You only have one, is it homeschool? She's like, no, it's not homeschool, I have a student. She's like, but you only have one student. She's like, all my other students graduated. This is my last student after her, I'm closing the school down. Okay. So my wife talks to her, then she comes home and she tells me about their conversation and we're talking and it clicks to us, like we can do it. That was June of 2019. We started, we like, we can do it, but it's gotta be different from any other school, right? So what other school is not doing that we can do? And because we were big at entrepreneurship at the time, we're like, Let's do entrepreneur. Every student's going to start a business, right? It just came. We're like, okay, cool. But then we're like, that's not enough because there's schools that teach entrepreneurship. So that's not enough. So like, what else can we do? We're like, well, what if also to, because our city is, according to Forbes, our city, Rockford, Illinois, is the third worst educational system in America. So in the average um, literacy rate for our city is eighth grade reading level. Mm. So it's like, well, we need something for literacy. What if every student has to read like a hundred books? We're like, no, that's too much. What if they got to make their own book? So it's like, oh, so every student has to start a business now and they have to publish their own book and, like, and then we'll just keep it going. We'll grow that out. Yeah. And literally in June of 2019, we had the idea. In July, we started marketing it. We got our first students. In August, we opened the school doors. Just like that. June? June of 2019, we had the idea. August. July, we, we started marketing it. August, we opened our door. We had seven students. So we had um, those, and we were charging full tuition. Mm, we were like, what is tuition? At that like? time, it was like three fifty a student. Okay. Right. So we we're like, cool, three fifty a student, mm -hmm. full tuition, and so my school was above my beauty supply store. So literally during the day, we would be upstairs. It was me and my wife because the thing was our biggest selling point at the time wasn't even entrepreneurship. It was the fact that we had a school with no teachers. So we were like, listen, you don't need teachers. Cut them out. Like that's what I ain't part of. That's not part of the solution right now. So who was the teacher? We like, had teachers. Like, we were the teachers. We were <laughs> supervisors, right? Okay. Because our the way this, the way our curriculum works, we don't need teachers. Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right. So send your children to us. We get them right. And not only that, if your child's behind, we find we have a system we can catch your child up to where they need to be at. And it may take a year. It depends on how far back they are. It may take a year and a half, but we can catch your child up and we can get your child to graduate on time or we can get your child to graduate early if they really got a good work ethic. Between so, you and your wife, nobody necessarily has like curriculum experience. So how did you guys come up with a framework that you knew was going to allow a kid to... Was it the Khan Academy experience? No. How did you know that you were going to... I'm going to tell you the secret. <laughs> this is like... So now I'm doing... I, I Okay. Let me back up. Prior to this, right, prior to this, and this is like new, this is like the last couple months. This is from me doing Brain Picker Podcast with David and Donnie, right? Up to this point in my life, because we own the beauty supply store, I was a premium price coach for people in the beauty industry to teach them how to make more money in their industry without working more hours. That was my thing. I completely dropped it. I was like, I have to teach people how to open schools. And it's, I'm passionate about it, right? Because it's the thing that I realized was the reason our school is able to thrive so quickly and grow so quickly is because we did not have any formal education as far as my wife has three degrees, but I have none. Of course she has three, but we have no education as far as running a school. So 
everything we did was completely non-traditional. Like literally, if the idea is smart, run with it. We just make stuff up. It was all creativity, but it was like, how do we impact these children with creativity in a way? And even though we started off with seven children, you would have thought there was a hundred children there because the love was there. So when this, this was our first year hiring teachers this year. And the number one credential that, ch ch that our teachers had to have above and beyond is that you had to display from questions we asked you that you had a deep love for children who looked like you. Okay. I can teach you other skills. Mm. Like I can teach you if you're if you're struggling in math, as you as a teacher, we can work on your math skills. If you're struggling, like if you're not good in an area, we can help you in those areas. But if you don't love the children that you're serving, then nothing else you do is gonna is gonna come through. That's there's automatic block. But if you love the children, your love is gonna let you go above and beyond for those children in ways that nothing else will. So every person that came in that we that we ran through things was like, listen, how much do you love your children? How much do you love the children in our community yeah. that look like you? If you love them, you'll do anything for them. Because love is not an emotion, love is an action word. So put some action behind what you say you'll do for them. And that formula, the school, the notoriety, everything from that point was like. Good. <sighs> now at this time, did you and your wife had, have, yes, you have to have had your own kids. So I met your daughter, your lovely yes, daughter. Yes. So how many, how many children do you have of your own? I have one daughter that you see over there yes. and I have one adopted daughter. Yes. One daughter and one adopted daughter. And then, um, so you had your own children and did you, were they in traditional school at the time and did you pull them out? My daughter, okay, I got to brag on my daughter now. Let's so when, go. when we bring her in later, I can talk about it, but I got to brag as a parent, right? Now I'm not like the entrepreneur, I'm the parent. So my daughter, we decided when my wife got pregnant that number one, because Rockford, third worst education in the system, she's never going to public school. Mm -hmm. Never. It's never happening. Mm -hmm. So when we found out my wife was pregnant, we began reading books to her in the womb right the day she came home from the hospital we sat her in front of the tv turn on so your baby can read and we would do educational sessions with her from that time so my, my facebook page got hacked so i lost a lot of footage and everything but i think my mm -hmm. wife still has some so this footage of my daughter at two years old at the whiteboard doing long math problems she's like six billion seven hundred ninety four million three hundred thirty four thousand two hundred ninety six plus thirty seven trillion such and such and she's place value addition carrying the numbers, saying them out loud, writing them down at two, right? She could read at two. So what one thing that was attractive to parents that we always heard growing up that as she was growing up was, what are you doing with your daughter? Like, can you give that to our children? And we like, we don't do nothing special. We just give her time. And literally every day we give her time. And it was not a lot for when she was younger, we homeschooled her and I would do school with her for an hour a day. And it would be fun school. It's like, go, we had a big map on the board go to the map and you know show me antarctica and she would take like a little polar bear and be like antarctica and <laughs> slip it on there and like fun stuff right oh here's a map show me the nine planets and she'd be like my very educated mother just served us mercury venus earth and go through and like so my very educated mother just, just served, served us nine pizzas nine pizzas yep. I it's have a mnemonic learn that it's a mnemonic thing right i mean yeah, obviously, yeah. I, don't, I don't think i'll ever forget it but now i have to figure out the, the, <laughs> the planet, planet right with it. my it's the it, the first letter of each word right yeah mercury venus earth Let's go, Pops. mars so she you know so she was brilliant as a child mm -hmm. right and it's interesting for me because i was always smart but i was like you didn't apply and I didn't apply myself like mm -hmm. I just I didn't have the I didn't have the motivation and I really I have a hard I have a good work ethic if it's towards something I want mm -hmm. but like Walmart I'm, okay I gotta share this story in your podcast <laughs> don't judge me y'all okay 
This this is this what made me feel like and know that these jobs did not value me. I was working at Walmart night shift, right? And night shift jobs were terrible for me. I, they they didn't work out for me too good. So it's like two o'clock in the morning and everybody's supposed to go out and get all the carts and everything and they all bring them inside. So this one Walmart was 24 hours, of course. So I take my break, I set my break up to go concurrently with that. Mm -hmm. So everybody's out working, I can double my break time. All right, so I'm like, cool. I'm gonna get a 30 minute break instead of 15 minute because I, can, I ran it with this, I set it up some type of way. So mm. I go to my car, I turn on Dusty's on the, my mama's radio station and they was jamming this night. Man, I laid back in the car. I, next thing I knew, I looked up. It was the end of my shift. It was like 10 minutes to seven when my shift was over. I was like, oh, I'm about to get fired. I slept through my whole shift. I ran inside, run in my aisle. My supervisor was there. She's like, I just want to congratulate you on the work you did tonight. She's like, I've never seen your aisle done this good before. Like, you're, 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 the way you stocked tonight or you zoned the stuff was amazing. Always, always do your zoning like that. And I realized they didn't even, they didn't even notice I was gone. So when you talk about feeling invaluable, like you're not, like you don't, like if I die, the store, it's, Walmart's going on. Wow. So I was like, nobody noticed I was missing? Wow. So now I'm at work really depressed because I have no, like you don't even need me. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to, to fulfill your numbers. So you can say we have this many black people working for us and go stock our shelves. And whether you stock them or not, the show goes on. So like that experience taught me then, I was like, yo, I need to do something in life where I, where I matter. Cause I don't matter here. Like yeah. they they could care less. Like how I sleep through a whole shift, and yeah, I end up getting fired from there anyway. You mentioned uh, twice now, like your experience with like depression, and I'm curious, like over the years, if you're trying these different things, right? What what is your internal internal drive? What are you speaking to yourself? What are you like feeding yourself mentally at this time? So, I don't mean depression in a way of like I was never the type of person to be like super down on myself for a long time mm -hmm. like it would be the, the the most depressing part was having to go home and tell my wife i lost another job like is this marriage gonna continue like how <laughs> how long is this woman gonna put up with my my i can't keep a job this right because it was some tough days in, in, in them households those are the longest drives um but for me I, I always handled my depression by getting back into the like the community and like working to give back to people mm -hmm. so like i knew i didn't have nothing i knew the lights was out but i knew Man, if I take these next four hours in these streets and I go help these people, like, I know God's going to bless me somewhere. Like, I've read in the scriptures, I've seen, you give, you know, you want to receive, you give, you give, you give. So I literally gave of myself to my community to the point where I've been in the middle of gang wars where folks had guns pulled out with no weapons in the middle, stopping, you know, shootings from happening. I've been in places with domestic violence, with women being abused, like stopping rapes, like real life things happen where I put my life on the line for the community all while struggling. So, but those things, when I would hit these tough times, I'm like, I know I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. Like deep down inside, I know I have value, but I didn't, I just couldn't find a way to extract it, to monetize it where it made sense. But I, I knew I was like, man, you know what? My name is gold. Yeah. So I just don't have no gold. <laughs> my name is gold, but I don't have gold. I was right. thinking of an ET quote. He said, uh, "Good being a good person doesn't necessarily make you money. Absolutely. And I feel like that resonated with me a lot. As you're talking, it's speaking straight to my social work side, right? And wanting to be a good person and pouring into other people. Even pouring into people when you don't have it yourself. Absolutely. You know, now I actually realize that might not necessarily be the most healthy thing to mm -hmm. do. 
But there are times where you giving to other people just makes you feel good as a human. I don't Absolutely. know how to do that. So like, as you are building this school, somewhere in your mind, your value of, of money started to shift. When Absolutely. So there was this book, right? It's always a book mm -hmm. and it was Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And what I had learned in the nation, when I read Think and Grow Rich, everything in my life clicked. It was like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Literally, I saw everything different. I was like, I need to be teaching this to people. Nobody else knows this, right? I started coaching $25 an hour. You can get me. And all my clients was killing. I had clients coming in like, here's $100. I need you for the next four hours. I, I'm going to book you every day. I need you. And I'm like, yeah, I made $500, but I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, this ain't, this ain't it. Like, I'm on $25 an hour, ain't it? Like, this is, I'm helping these people. They have crazy results. Folks is telling me how they're thriving. <laughs> I'm like, all my clients make more money than me. Mm -hmm. They don't know, but I'm like, this ain't it. So I'm like, $50 an hour. Still ain't it. Mm -hmm. Clients are coming in, still having amazing results. This ain't it. $100 an hour. This ain't it. Like, $200 an hour. This ain't it. Like, <laughs> something is not clicking. But I, but, but I was going through this process because once I read Think and Grow Rich, and it's crazy because I had a bunch of these books in my house and just never read them. Like my wife had them from when she was in like prepaid legal, but she never read them. So we had the, the bookshelf that looks good, but it was dusty. So I'm like, how do win friends and influence people? Oh, I do this now, that's how you network. I'm like, oh, okay, richest man in Babylon. What? Oh, okay, rich dad, poor dad, oh, four quadrants. Like now, and now it's clicking. And now I'm like, okay, now everything was like every single day. So I was, so it took me to the point where I was like, all right, I have to get up early in the morning, not because I want to get up early in the morning, because I don't have enough time in the day mm -hmm. to take in everything I need. So I'm up early in the morning, Les Brown, ET, I'm on go. I'm like, all right, cool. From here, I got this audio book. Okay, I got to go to the gym. I got to work out. Okay, I got to be here. I got to meet people. Like everything began to like, in, it was almost like in one inkling of a twinkle of an eye, like everything changed. But Think and Grow Rich did it for me. Think and Grow Rich was like, why did I not read? Like, why did all like part of what, dr what drives me in the school is i just wished like in hindsight that somebody would have came to me at that young age like here's this book i need you to read it mm -hmm. like if i would have think and grow rich at 21 i would be a billionaire now like it just it just nobody was there teaching that in my neighborhood like everybody i knew that had a business that looked like me was still struggling yeah so it's like uh -huh, i mean you got a business but <laughs> you asking me to borrow money you know what I mean? Like we we in the same boat, right? So and trying to pour into trying to be fed by someone who's not even like I said, pouring from a, from abundance. It's just it's, it doesn't make for an environment for us to actually grow. Right. What I love the most about the school concept that you had in 2019 is that you came up with this concept where they were going to publish their own book. Mm -hmm. And I was just talking to Anita about um, how I think it's really really important that young people learn how to tell their stories. Absolutely. Um, the highs, the lows, I think for a 30 and 40 year old, 50 and 60, they're just getting to a place where they can tell their story, where they mm -hmm. can dive deep and explore with themselves. Why was it a book? And then what is the process that you guys help them get to to tell a story? Is it tell their story? Is it tell imaginary stories? Are there any qualifiers around like this book stip um, stipulation? Yeah, so we've been growing this process, right? Mm -hmm. Because remember, it's only our third year, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so initially the process was like, all right, everybody do a book. We had majority younger children, like, all right, do a fictional book, and we helped them through it. Because our youngest published authors were four. So they're writing a book, but they can't read. 
right themselves they're learning how to read or they're learning how to sound words out so we take them through this process of okay we're going to write a book but what's a plot what's a story what's a character what you know how are you going to develop this character what's the main theme of this so we teach them these the points of writing a story and for the younger children it's learning you know what's the body what's a body what's a paragraph what's a period what's a for them it's it's english class mm. but it's english class in a way that's fun right so my wife she does authorship for our children and it's like the developments we'll walk them through a door so what's the plot of dora right what's the plot of black panther what's the theme who's the main characters what happened what's the what's the outcome so we walk them through this um we walk them through this you know this this thing with with authorship so now we're at this point after and it hasn't happened yet where this is like speaking into next year what me and my wife discussed is for our older students we want them to they they, they can do a fictional book but we realized because students were doing books over the summer because some students was like once students didn't want to do books when i bring jazzy on you'll see right she's like i never want to write a book then you write a book then students get the bug like oh i could write books oh i could wait i'm making money off my books oh i'm writing books on a can regular i have my nephew down in he's from detroit now he's down in houston he was like yo my second book ready to go like huh you're and, influencing everybody yeah my, my daughter is an illustrator his illustrator so we try to get my daughter to hurry up and make the images because he won his book out he like so by the time we come back to school he's like oh my second book done i'm working my third book so children who the public school said had problems learning mm -hmm. problems reading problems with a liter with literacy no they just were exposed to something that touched them that when it touched them they're on go and so he's not the most bright student when it comes to like he's not the top of math he's not the top of none of his things but he writes books yeah. consistently yeah. and he he goes out and markets his books he goes out and he, he, i think i want to say his mother told me he sold his book to his entire elementary school that he went to before he came to us so yeah he you can't tell me that that little boy because he's not the brightest in math class is a failure because you just that didn't reach him yet you got to give him what's going to take him to that next level mm -hmm. if he gets to the next level and realizes man if i'm selling all these books people could steal my money i need to know math it's going to inspire him to do math right mm -hmm. rick ross said he's not that good at math right he said he barely knows multiplication but the boy worth millions and millions of dollars because once you find your passion once you find that thing that's going to drive you it's going to help you in those other areas because now you got motivation to do those things and so we found that with our children that that with any children with any child if, if you give them that despite all the other traumatic circumstances because a lot of our children that come to us have extreme trauma mm -hmm. despite all the trauma there is a bridge out if you give them something that touches them the right way yeah so and, and the fact the creative the creativity around being able to just create a story out of your own mind it sounds like fiction is the direction that you guys are going in Next year is going to be different, though. I would love to see like yes. a, a young entrepreneur, real story. Absolutely. Type of just so this was the last year we let everybody be able to do fictional books. Mm. Next year for like high school and above, mm -hmm. they have to. Well, I think juniors and seniors have to do like a reference research book. But freshmen, sophomore next year have to do um, some type of book that they can use to help assist their business. So even if you're an author and you're like, well, I sell books. OK, well, you need to write a book teaching people how to write a book. Mm -hmm. and develop that into your coaching business and we're going to help show you and we'll bring Marquell in and we, we we already have client attraction university you're going to come here you're going to learn how to market this to make money because our goal for our students is not just to start a business say you did it it's to make money yes. the big goal is that we want six-figure earning students in school while you're in school Let's Re go. retire your like parents you see what I'm trying to tell I like you that goal. 
No, parents need to be retired. I love no. Jacob. Us 80s babies who suffer through crack cocaine need to be retired, okay? We need retire us yes so that's the goal six-figure earning students while in school i love that yes. i love that 100 percent love that it changes the whole face of of education i will tell you and as a person who like you know i don't have any experience in the education system i do understand though the hang-up that a lot of people with degrees and stuff might get on but you guys are getting results so what is it like to what was it like after 2009 to launch it right to see what type of results you actually were getting in the program. Um, it was, it's just, it was a, it was part of, you know what's crazy about it? I learned a lot of stuff that I learned or am learning now, I didn't realize we were doing until after I learned it. Mm -hmm. So when I was reading Think and Grow Rich, I was like, huh? Oh no, I already write my goals down and say them in the morning and I already talk in the mirror. Like I, they're giving an exercise. I'm like, I already do this stuff, but now that now I'm putting a face to yeah. the name of stuff that's happening. So for us, it's really been part of like the journey of just try it. Like I'm, I'm really big on, I can help you with something if you're doing something, but I can't help you with nothing. Mm -hmm. You have to be doing something. Mm -hmm. Start and then grow in the public. And so I'm that type of person. Like we're gonna grow in the public. Like mm -hmm. we just started our podcast a couple of days ago. Yeah. Had no clue what we're doing, right? I was like, I just That's missed it. The... Didn't call me. But here, okay. To be fair, <laughs> right? To be fair, I was like, I know a bunch of people with dope podcasts already, right? So I told my, I, this, this was the smart thing. I made sure my partner was somebody of high value that could help me out in life in, in general. And she knew, she knows a lot about, she's a news anchor. Mm -hmm. So she knows a lot about different things. And I was like, I just missed the launcher podcast challenge. I couldn't do it. Cause I had other stuff going on. I was like, I know all these people with dope podcasts, but I'm not going to call them upfront. I was like, let's try I want to try it and have Make something and proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this is what we did. How can we improve? Yes. I don't want to call and be like, all theory. I'm That's not the fair. type of person. I'm a, I'm a, this is what we did. Yeah. These are, these are the things we're trying to learn. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this now? Cause now I have something I can learn from cause something's being done. Mm -hmm. But if we're doing nothing, we just talking about it. It's just talk. That's so fair. I have a student shout out to Angela. She's watching. She want me to, she wants me to shout her out. Right. <laughs> She's been telling me about starting a podcast for forever. Right. She's this, this semester she came to school. I want to start a podcast. Cool. 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 When you, I think she was there when you came, she's like, I want to be her. <laughs> okay, cool. So she wants to start a podcast. She kept asking me, will you be a guest on my podcast? So I told her on your 11th episode, come ask me. Let's go. She's like, why can't I get you up front? I'm like, because you don't believe yet. Like I believe in you, mm -hmm. but I need you to believe in you. And if you do 11 episodes, it shows me that now you, you you're, you're vested in what you're doing. You got some skin in the game. Yeah. If you just want to do one or two episodes and like, I, you're expecting to get clout off of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, listen, I ain't the person to get clout off of. Okay. Like <laughs> it ain't going to work. It don't work like that. Right. Your listeners right? might not even care. Like, yeah. So I, you know, do 11 episodes mm -hmm. or do 10 episodes on the 11th episode, come ask me. Got it. And if you do that, now I can help you. Mm -hmm. Now I can be like, okay, I've watched these episodes. I've seen these things. And most likely, because I'm just getting the podcast to myself, I'm going to put you on the phone with Ariel. I'm going to put you on the phone with Jonathan Jones. I'm going to put you on the phone with Shamika. Let's I'm going to put go. you on the phone with everybody that's doing Because these are the people I'm going to, to ask. Like, what makes my school successful is because I know for a fact that I don't have the information. I don't know it. I'm not the best. But I know, I know so many brilliant people that are good at it. I don't try to... It's not about me. It's about the children. So I literally invite guest speakers in every week, step inside, teach the babies, pour into them. I don't have it to give to them. I just have you people that I know have these skill sets pour into the babies. Yeah. And that's literally my whole game plan. Like it ain't, it's not me. It's, it's not about me. If the children get the result, I don't care who teaches them. 
Like, and that's why I want a private school. Because now I can call you up and say, hey, teach these babies about podcasting. Yeah. Boom, done. Right? You have to go through all the red tape. There's no there. red tape. Yeah. I talked to David and Donnie, and I was like, listen, when we did behind the scenes with Brain Picker Podcast, I was like, you like the idea of the school? Hey, we love it. All right. What do I got to do to get you all to teach podcasting to my to start a podcasting club in my school? We'll get it funded. What do we got to do to get you to have a podcasting club in the school to teach them? Because I can't do it. Because clearly, if they got to choose between me as a coach and David Shands, yeah. duh, I'm going to choose David Shands 100%. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to choose David Shands. He, David Shands is the reason I want to do podcasting. Like, yeah. David Shands is the reason. David Shands Network is one of the biggest networks I'm a part of that brought me to where I'm at here. So, here. yes, I want to. Yes, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to. I watch work and play podcasts. Why would I try to reinvent the wheel when it's already, it's already being done? That's super smart. So, that's my, that's my philosophy. Would you say you guys have, um, maybe in the beginning you didn't, and maybe even now you don't, but what are the pillars of Kakifer's Academy? What would you say the pillars are? The core values? Love. Mm -hmm. Love is the necessity, mm -hmm. right? So you got to have love. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say consistency, okay. right? And consistency, and not just in, like me as an owner, but consistency in the people around. Like I want consistent people. So unfortunately we've had to make changes here and there, right? And within our school. But like, if you're a teacher and I bring you on, I want you here for the year, the duration to be consistent with the children, consistently learning, consistently growing, consistently getting better. I want consistency there. So love consistency. And then I would say definitely passion, mm -hmm. right? Because like my passion for what I do, I want that in the children. I want them to be passionate about whatever it is they want to do. Like, so when I'm talking to the children, usually in the mornings, because we'll ha we have assembly every morning, they're still sleepy. You know, they're looking at me. Why is this dude so on 10 at 8 o'clock in the morning? They don't know. I got up at 4.30. I already been to the gym. I've already been on the morning meetup. I've already, I got another coach who I've already checked in with for five, at 5.30. I'm, I'm fired up already. Like, I'm, I'm, I got my goals in my office. Like, I'm about to go work. I know they think we just be in there like, shoot throwing darts, <laughs> they think we'd be in there chilling, but like, I'm ready to go work. Like, I got clients lined up, I got meetings. I'm excited, because I'm passionate about what I'm doing, and I want them to find that same passion. So they, you gotta have passion. Um, and it's gotta be, as the person in the school, not just, and the thing is, even if you're, if you're, if you start a school and you're not within the Kikifer's structure, still have these things in your school. Yeah. It is gonna make your school thrive. Um, and then, you know, last thing I would say, you know, to give the fourth one, so we said love, we said consistency, we said passion, you know, say vision. Gotta you got to have vision. vision. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to see, you, you're not going to know how it's going to come together. It's not for, if God gave, showed you how it's going to come together, you'll quit, right? Like everybody says. But if you have vision and you can see it, then you know it's coming. Like, so I didn't share this part of my story. This is super dope, I promise. So the second year of the school, maybe, yeah, second year of the school, I get in a car accident. I was sitting at a light, a car, gets, a car whips through the light, another car goes to turn, car hits it, car flips the car, car flips, lands on my car, crushes my car. Mm. I get out, no, crushes, I, your car. crushes the front end of the car. Okay. I get out unscathed, but I learned about this thing I didn't know about called gap insurance, because <laughs> I had a note on the car. Didn't have gap insurance. So long story short, after the rental cars and all the different stuff happens, we end up with no car. Mm -hmm. And we had an option, either go get a new car or keep investing in the school. So I was like, well, I know that the school is going to make me a millionaire. So you got to keep investing in the school. 
So then we have run into problem. What are we going to do? Because <laughs> we don't have a car to travel. We can't. At this point in time, we had no teachers. How are we going to get to school, right? So a parent who goes to the school says, well, hey, I have a beater that is a terrible car, but I can give it to you for tuition for the month. Instead of giving you tuition, I'll give you the car. Okay. Cool. Mind you, we're in Illinois. I need your followers to know. This ain't Atlanta. This <laughs> Illinois with the bipolar, bipolar weather. In the winter, the car, the heat only runs for like one minute at a time, then it goes back to air condition. Mm. There's no mirrors in the car. The window only rolls up to like, I don't know, seven eighths, right? Illinois. Windows down in Illinois in the winter on the coldest of cold days, right? My daughter will tell you, all of us in the car bundled up, extra coats, gloves, hats, scarves. We're bundled up because we're driving through and it, this time, this was a cold winter. It's like negatives outside, like negative 10, negative 15. We're driving. I'm driving places in this beater that only has heat maybe four times in a 30-minute trip. Driving in this beater, but the vision was the school's got to operate, right? So how this story ends, we get to a point. I'm like, yo, we, got, we can't do this anymore. Like, we saved up some extra money on the side, and I'm like, all right, we're going to take this money and get a car. The day that we went to go get a new car. We're driving the beater. We get to the light in front of my beauty supply store. The car just goes out completely. Wow. We had to push it from the intersection to the parking lot of my beauty supply store. And my friend came and picked us up and took us to get the car. Wow. But the vision was like the school has to thrive. Like no matter what happens, we can lose anything and everything. We'll go homeless, but the school got to survive. If the school survives, we might go homeless, but we'll get a bigger home. Like if the school survives, we might lose everything, but we'll get it back bigger and double and triple and quadruple. Like, so we both had this vision that like, this is it. Like literally my purpose for living, my purpose for being on the planet I have found in the school. So I'm like, this got to survive no matter what. And so from that, of course, that day we were able to get a new car. <laughs> God, thank that is a dope thank story. the Lord. But yeah. when you talk about like, the, like, what do you see having vision? Mm -hmm. That was because I understood. I was like, right now, what we have, nobody else in the country has. I'm like, and I just got I have a, I have a coach that's a billionaire named Antonio T. Smith down in Houston. And he was like, listen, your problem is not that you don't have the perfect solution to education. That you don't have the visibility and the eyes that you need to grow your school the way you need to grow it. He's like, you got to get in front of people. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you don't know the science yet to get in front of people the right people that can take you to the right places. Cool. Once he told me that, it was like laser focus. Mm -hmm. It's like, we got to keep growing this thing because sooner or later, we're going to get in front of the right person. Then I started seeing this thing like Social Proof Podcast and I'm like, who are these people? Huh? What? It's all these entrepreneurs? What? Atlanta? So we take Atlanta, circle it. I'm like, something's happening in Atlanta with black people that I need to be a part of because the education there is different. Not in the schools. There's so many successful people coming out of this system. It's not like Chicago. It's not like any of these other places I've been. Mm -hmm. Something's happening in Atlanta. Yeah. So when I, um, to fast forward, when I met A. Donahue Baker, I had told him, I was like, yo, I need to meet this dude, David Shantz. Like, this dude is amazing. And I just want to meet him and thank him in person. He was like, oh, that's my man. I got you. Hey, go buy a flight ticket, fly to Atlanta, wear all white, come to Atlanta, I got you. And that was the alumni dinner. So... I was like, I told him, I was like, it's on my um, manifestation list for the year was to meet David Shans. Wow. I like, where I are can't white? imagine what else is on your manifestation list. I, uh, that, well, you know what? Everything that was on there, I hit. I was like, we got to be able to make like $20,000 in a month. So the first month when I made like sixty dollars or $70,000 in a month, I was like, huh, this is different. So I was, I was talking to Mark Quell about it. And he was like, 60? Yeah. 
<laughs> and I realized there's levels. Like, he's like, yeah, but he's like, that's because you're not working yet. We're going to get you right. And I'm like, these, the people I was talking to, I talked to Dr. Um, Jacob Taylor. And he's like, he, at the alumni dinner, this is my first time meeting him. He's complaining that he only made 1.8 in a day. So I'm at the table and I'm, trying, I'm confused. I'm like, yo, because I ain't used to this type of language. I'm like, yo, 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 fam. What you, what you say your name was? He said, yeah, I'm Dr. Jacob, whatever. Okay. When you say you only did 1.8 in a day and you're visibly upset, like his face, every, he's like upset, like hitting the table, like, man, they ain't get it right. I'm like, when you say you did 1.8 in a day, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. He's like, man, we got to fix our systems. We got to, you know, this ain't right. It ain't like, what do you mean with 1.8? He said, we only made 1.8 million. I'm like, in a day? He's like, yeah, in a day. So my mind, I'm trying to figure out, right? Like, Huh? I didn't realize at that time he made 23 million a month. So he's like, when we run this play normally, you know, we make four or five million dollars. So I guess if you're used to making five, you did 1.8. <laughs> that's 40 percent, I guess, you know. But in my mind, I'm like trying to calculate like, huh, 1.8 in a day. Me, right. I'm like, you successful, you know. But it, it, and I start realizing this levels. And I met a couple other people there that was like so extraordinary. And the women like I'm a I'm a huge believer in I heard Dame Dash say it, and I heard the guy from. Uh, I think Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank talk about the value of women, right? And I'm a huge proponent of having women run your business, put them out front, let them be creative, and step out of the way. Like, let them women run it, right? And so um, I met some sisters at Social Proof that was so cold. I was like, just, I just have to ask you a question. Like, like how? Like, how do you do what you do? And it was like, literally, it's like being in front of your heroes, in real time and like seeing people that float. Like I know they walk, but they float. Mm -hmm. It's like, yo, how do you do this? And so I've taken that same approach though. Like my teams, I, anytime I get a chance to set up a team of women to do, run anything, I'll let it run with it. Ooh, that's so contrary with my it. personal beliefs, child. Don't have me running like a dog. Look, I don't, know what I don't know what y'all do in y'all <laughs> meetings when it's just y'all. But I know the product that comes out is gold. Absolutely. It's gold. We do that. We definitely do the doggone thing. But I don't know if we want to do it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm not, I never try to pour out like, hey, I need you to do, you know, whatever. But if it can get done and like folks like got the will to do it, hey, go ahead and run that thing. Let me know what you need from me. Like, how, like, I'll, like I'll give you the vision. This is what I want to see done. Can you do this? I love it. And it's just like every time I put a team together, it's been highly successful with women running it in the forefront. And it just gives you a greater respect, of course, for like women, like Yo, when I, talk, when I talk to brothers and they be like, what tools do you think we should need for entrepreneurship? What should I do? I'm like, respect the women in your life and value the women in your life. Mm. And if you have a woman in business that's a good partner, let her, like, don't, don't let your machismo hinder your, your own progress. Your machismo? You know, your being macho. Gotcha. Like, don't let your, your testosterone become so over-dominant that yeah. you stop her from being creative yeah. when she could be the element that what you prayed for could be in her mm -hmm. and she's the one coming to like like if mary didn't deliver jesus wouldn't be no jesus right so yeah jesus is valuable but without mary there is no jesus so when mary comes to you to give birth to something that's going to take you to a new level I need, I'm gonna need you to put some speck on Mary's name. Some that's speck. my, that's part of that, like put some speck on Mary's name. Like, cause you just never know. You might be entertaining an angel unaware and how you treat her. And I've seen it. Like I've seen, I, I know a story personally where a brother was just, he did a sister wrong and everything she was trying to do was for him. And he couldn't see that she was his ticket out. I seen it. I was like, yo, if that don't work out, come holler at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like, yo, 
she's cold <laughs> and you because your pride as a man i get it you know as a man we got to beat our chest we got to be tough we got to know all the answers we got to no that's that's not true education that's that false education that's given to us that has us acting a certain way in the streets has us doing foolish stuff that has us thinking a certain way but drop the let let the ego go just a little bit yeah. you know i know for men it's tough i know brother's gonna shoot me for saying this on your podcast mm. you only said that because he was on her podcast mm. no this is my everyday philosophy your ego's cool but she will actually inflate your ego with success so find you some good women and let them be creative and work out in their space before you know it different level that's a fact let them let them flourish and do what they do different that's level the, that's the foundation of the podcast absolutely Being able to to work and to live and do what we do and be creative. So if whatever you do in, enhances a woman, which enhances a man, I'm for it. It's like, what's that, you know that phrase? It's like, if you give a woman, like, what is it? Like, if you give her, um, let's say, if you give her a, a house, she'll give you a home. Mm -hmm. Give if her you a give her bread, she'll give her a meal or something yeah, like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the thing. If women are natural multipliers and you want your business to grow, get you some strong women and then don't abuse the women you heard that guys brothers i'm sorry that. like i know she looked good brother i know right <laughs> but if you got one that's for you don't ruin the crops don't be in the don't ruin the crops like i, like, I understand you know but listen okay <laughs> these, I'm, listen when i the sister that i'm doing the podcast with she's beautiful right everybody knows this so when i told everybody like I'm, we're doing a podcast together all these different people was like you gotta be careful you gotta like no you don't understand long range you don't understand long range business mm -hmm. right yes she's beautiful she's gonna attract a certain audience because she's beautiful but it ain't about because she's beautiful right it's about what does she have like what's the value of her so for you you're telling me be careful because you're putting yourself if you was in my shoes you like i know what i would do mm -hmm. but you ain't me right. and that's why you don't got the success that i got because you're not disciplined enough to stay in your lane and understand that like you're looking at her for your own selfish needs and you're not thinking about the whole. But in my mind, I'm like, yo, if she brings this to the table, we could create a podcast in our city where there's no major podcast. There ain't no seven-figure podcast in our city. We can create a seven-figure podcast in our city and then all the children in my school that wanna do podcasts, we can plop them right up and now they have a, a, a internship or a mentorship with a seven-figure podcast they can go to because it's long-range planning. Because I'm thinking legacy and you're thinking right now. Yeah. And that's the difference, it's vision, so. That goes right back to that pillar. It does. It goes right back to that pillar. Also, the man you are today, it's fair to say, has evolved over time. Absolutely. Right? When you talk about like, hey, you need to build a school. This is like the way that you can actually build money. You speak about it from a monetary perspective, right? Absolutely. But at the same time, you want your students to get results. And that's clear. You're passionate about it. When you look at yourself and your personal development and your growth, what are the skill sets like we talking we talking like career <laughs> coaching one-on-one -on -one. what are the skill sets that you feel like have created the foundation that you have today mm -hmm. that make you good at what you do as the pre the principal of Kakifer's academy um okay next year i'm not gonna be the principal mm -hmm. i gotta put this out there i'm gonna hire somebody else as the principal okay i'm not like a natural principal right mm -hmm. but i'm a good model for the children to look up to okay right so but with that being said in my position i'm marketing so when it comes to marketing i'm attracted to people that do marketing because that's my thing like i like the, being on podcasts i like being out front i like being in front of the news camera i like you know, talking about bragging on the students and bragging on the results. Like, I like that for me, being consistent when doing that. Like, in, in person, I can close a deal with anybody. 
Like I'm a closer. So if you sit me down, care who it is, we're closing the deal. Right. Except and if it's Primerica or except if it's Primerica. But if, if I here's the thing, I know I could close on Primerica now. I did WFG, which was a spinoff of Primerica, and I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. My wife forced me to do it. She's like, you need to. She said that I needed to expand my network. My network was too like streamlined. I need to expand more. So I'm like, OK, so I did it. And I was making money with WFG without trying. Like literally, I would I would set the appointment up. I would have my financial advisor run it. And I'm like, I'll split it with you or you can write it off to me however you want to do it. But it's not I'm not passionate about it. So I was making money. Checks coming in. I'm making more money than I ever made selling insurance as a, as you know, in financial vehicles. Mm -hmm. I still know. I know all. I have the knowledge. It's just not my passion. Mm -hmm. So if I had to do Primerica now, I'm a different person now than I was then. I'm closing. Like I'm a closer now. <laughs> I love it. And you know what I really recognize and I appreciate about how you ex describe your leadership is knowing your gift is to market. Understanding that you like to be in front of the camera. Back, I'm sure when you were working at Walmart, that, that wasn't necessarily an option. Not at all. But the fact that you're able to stand in front of the camera now, be in the limelight, market the school, talk about the greatness that the kids are doing, that sounds like a perfect fit for you. Perfect. And you know what's beautiful about it? The, mm -hmm. It's like a double entendre. The fact that I'm married to my wife, mm -hmm. but the things that I love to do, she doesn't. So you'll never, like, occasionally you'll see her on, like, Brain Picker, but you'll never really see my wife anywhere. She doesn't like being on camera. She doesn't like doing the interviews. She like being super low-key, behind the scenes. She loves doing paperwork. She loves doing the research. Like, all the stuff I don't want to do, like, I just want to be seen and talk about it. But the actual work portion of it, like, oh, who's going to fill out the paperwork to make sure we legit? She got that. Yeah. So it works out, like, you know, our business marriage is probably stronger. I won't say stronger, but our business marriage makes more sense than us being married because we literally complement each other. And it goes to this point that I heard Napoleon Hill say from Think and Grow Rich, where he said, the strongest mastermind alliance you can have is a husband and wife duo. And a husband and wife duo can get more done in one year than you could get together, that you could get done individually in seven years. Oof. So it makes sense. Three years to hit seven figures, because mm -hmm. that's 20 years in a game, which is the average time to make seven figures. So you speed it up to three years, because now I'm working with my spouse and people say, well, if you work with your spouse, you'll see them too much, you, you know, you'll, you'll fall out of love. But the complete opposite is true. When, if you work apart from your spouse and you're on that job and you see the other pretty girl, it doesn't matter that you want to be faithful. Like the natural attraction of men and women, if y'all start spending that much time together, naturally you're going to be like, you're going to start looking like, you know, what they call it, work wives or whatnot. That well, that's my work wife. Yeah. And work, well, if she start off, she might start off as a work wife. But I'm, I'm not big on, I don't, I've been married almost 16 years. I don't teach nothing relationships, but I can tell you from my relationship that if she a work wife today, she a side wife tomorrow. I know that much is real. So working with my wife, every failure I experience, she's there. So she knows every high she's there. She knows every low, the, like everything in between. She's there. So I don't even have to explain it. She knows. So in the days when it's tough, I don't have to like try to explain it to her. Oh, it was tough today at the job. This happened. She already knows. She's in the grind with me. Now we can converse on it. Now we can game plan together, we brainstorm together. Now the next thing that rolls out, we come out with together and execute. So let's go. That's, that's how we do. I have really enjoyed getting into your journey. 
You got a lot to uncover, and I'm sure we only hit the tip of the iceberg. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. Usually, I like to end the, the conversation with like a word of wisdom, but you know, we got special guests we here. We do, we do, and we do. And I think do. that it would be really dope because we are talking about the young people. They are a product of your school. They are uh, the results that we are talking about. Absolutely. I think it's actually really dope that we can have a tangible example of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So if my girls would come and share a word of wisdom, maybe. Yes, it kind of say. Business. Can I say for these young ladies that I am so impressed? These, I have three here with me today, right? These young ladies are today what I wish I could have been when I was their age then. Mm. So for me, when I see them, even if they don't see it, I'm like, your future. Like every single person that comes and talks to our children is like, yo, if I had that when I was your age, and they don't know it yet. But I, I just, you know, I wanted to say that in the po on the podcast publicly, like, I wish when I was their age, somebody could have poured into me. Yeah. Like, I didn't have Ariel come show me how to run a podcast in my school. Of course, it wasn't out at that time, but still, the equivalent of whatever was Absolutely. out. Absolutely. You know? Run a newspaper. I didn't even have black teachers that looked like me or yeah. a curriculum that talked to me. So I'm very proud of these girls um, and other students, too. But these, they got to come to Atlanta to meet with Marquell and do the whole thing because they earned it in school. They did well in business. They did well academically. Their behavior is good. They have good rapport with their parents. Like they really have been all-stars. So they earned being here. It's not, you know, they, I didn't just pick them out the hat. They literally had to earn being here. So I'm very, very proud of these these well, girls. Ladies, it is your time to shine because I would love to hear a little bit. One, say your name, you gotta say your name. Where can we find you? What are you guys working on right now? And feel free to share a word of wisdom to the folks who don't have their business or, or haven't necessarily gotten the grasp of entrepreneurship yet. Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, my name is Samaya. You can find me on Instagram at dream underscore with underscore myathon, M-Y-A-T-H-O-N. And I sell watercolor art. Love it. What about illustrations and all that? That's a huge accolade. Oh, yeah. I accolade. also have illustrated um, about 15 books, and I'm illustrating more currently. It doesn't matter what you gonna always, <laughs> Daddy always gonna kick gotta, it. Gotta you know publish <laughs> books, you know the things she does. Yes, you know. yes, yes. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, my name is Rihanna. Uh, you can follow me at love l u v underscore r h i r h i, and I write the school newspaper and uh, the podcast that Brother Henry is doing um, with his co-star, I guess. Uh, she's my mentor. I love Which it. Super I think we're dope. forgetting something, though. Didn't you just... Uh... Oh, yeah, I just published Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that your first book? <laughs> yes. How did it make you feel? Good. That's just What's good? What's the book about? Um, it's about two people who meet at a coffee shop, and then it just like turned into a love story, but then it falls apart. Well, I hope the people heard it in the back. Where can they find your book and speak louder? Um, you can find my book at lulu.com. What's it called? It's called If Only We Knew. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you, Rihanna. And my dear. Oh, my name is Giselle. I'm a published author. I have two books called The New House and The New House 2. Um, it's about overcoming goals. And you can find my book on lulu.com for $20. I'm also a business owner. I have a business called J Diamonds. Um, I resell jewelry, but I plan on making jewelry in the future. You can find me on Instagram. My name is at J Diamonds. D I A M O D. I mean M O N D S. 
And she got a speaking engagement at the middle school that I used to work at. Come on! And she rocked it, and they asked her to come back. You got a killer game? I can tell by the way she like enunciates, the way she projects. You got some really cool kiddos here. <laughs> but the special thing about her, she was not like that when she came. She was real shy. She didn't want to, but now it's coming out more. You so. know what they say about shy? People think you shy, but you got a whole lot going on in that mind of yours. <laughs> I already know, because people think I'm shy sometimes. I'm like, in what world? It's just, it just depends. You got to like, you know, allow your flower to bloom. All right, well, I'm excited. We already had a volunteer for the word of wisdom, but if you ladies have one as well, feel free to share. Um, when you run a business, you don't want clients, you want customers. Because clients, no, you want clients, you don't want customers. Because customers may or may not come back, but clients always come back. I love it. You guys got one? Don't stop working hard. Just keep going. Just keep going. I like it. Um, try to think of one. Uh, it was one. Uh, the best way to predict the future is. Wait, I forgot. Um, you was almost there. The best way to predict the future is to. Create. Uh, oh, the best way to predict the future is to create it. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Well, all right, pops. I gotta close up <laughs> with you. Since we are, we have talked about your journey, yes, and I and I, I hope you guys get to see like the vulnerable and the transparency that Absolutely. I don't think I've you, ever been as vulnerable or transparent on any podcast ever. What? Never. You are. You have Never. shared your entire journey, and I really appreciate the highs and the lows, and you experiencing honestly the type of student you were while your students are here and able to like understand like there's no flex, right? <laughs> this Not is at all. what it is. Absolutely. And he's even like humble enough to say like. I'm gonna hire a principal next year. So Absolutely. I'm gonna let you have the the last word for, before we get up out of here. First say your, your word of wisdom, of course, but then how can the folks find you? How can they connect? And then how Absolutely. can they continue to support? Well, word of wisdom, I would say is, and I got this from Minister Farrakhan, so I can't, like I made it up. It's not that deep for me, but always remain a constant student. And by that, I mean that you can learn from anybody and everybody and the best teachers, the best leaders are students, people that are curious, they want to learn every single day. So the more curious you are, the more of a learner you are, the better of a leader you'll be. If you want to be a leader, be a learner. Leaders are learners, right? I need to put that on the board of the school. Leaders, leaders are, are learners. learners. Yes. <laughs> uh, Where can the folks find you? So you can find me. Let's run through this list. Okay, so you can find my school. I got to spell it out for you. I guess find my school. We have a school website. Spell it out. You, you got, got you know, okay. The description. So oh, yeah, if you drop the school website, then because folks are like, how you spell that, huh? Yeah, I got you. Phonetically. I got you. You teaching them how to spell? <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong with the boy. So <laughs> kickitfirstacademy.org is the school's link. Okay. And you can go check out all the information there. Um, of course, our school is on Instagram at kickitfirstacademy and on Facebook at kickitfirstacademy. And you can find me also on Instagram on my personal page as CEO Bro, CEO Bro Henry. And uh, oh, for your listening audience, if they would like some extremely free value, right? Because you're talking about value. Mm -hmm. Our school has an app. If you get our school's app, 
you can go to the section that's part of our network and in that network you can hear yourself right you can hear from the lovely Arielle Young when she came to our school and spoke to our students right you can hear from a Donahue Baker you can hear from Minister Nuri who's been on Breakfast Club and Vlad TV and Fox and CNN and ABC you can hear from uh, Erica McCall who's one of my friends who she came and spoke to our students while she was getting prepped to go on Fox Soul. She was in the changing room getting prepped, but she took 30 minutes to speak to our school. Wow. You can hear from Professor Devin, who was my first coach that I ever hired who helped us open up our beauty supply store. And he's responsible for 25% of all the black beauty supply stores in the country. And he's the CEO of, um, of uh, Beauty Supply Institute right here in Atlanta, yes, right? Just there's so many people on there. There's so many people on there of high value that come and pour into our babies. And so part of us giving back to the community is we have that on our and we, I haven't even uploaded. There's so much. There's so many people that have come that it's hard to upload everybody. But there's just it's free. So if you like, I'm interested. I want to know what y'all school is like. Come check out some of the guest speakers that speak to our children. We had Antonio T. Smith, who's a billionaire, come speak to our children for he was supposed to speak for 30 minutes or maybe 45 minutes, he spoke for two hours, wow. and his entire conversation, the entire two hours is, if you wanna be a millionaire in three months, this is what you do. If you wanna be a millionaire, and then he just went, after, he said he had, a, he has over like 200 something streams of income. He's like, if you wanna be a millionaire in real estate, this is what you do. You wanna be a millionaire in stocks, this is what you do. You wanna be a millionaire in digital technology, this is what you do. You wanna be a millionaire in video games, this is what you do. And literally, that's his whole conversation. <laughs> How to be a millionaire in three months, that's what he does. So that's great good. value on there for anybody, go get the app. And is there going to be a link at the bottom or how do we get into I'm going to give you the link. Okay. And it, the link is going to be, it's not like an app you can download in like Google Play Store, uh, Google Play Store or Apple App Store, mm -hmm. but we got the directions. It's more like a bookmark that'll be on your phone. Love it. But um, you can get the app right on your phone mm -hmm. and we, we update it like every couple days. So you can go there. All the information about the school is there. Marquel is on there, like everybody's on there, right? David's on there, Donnie's on there, like everybody's on there. So you gotta go, you gotta go check it out, it's dope. Let's I'm gonna go. give you the link, you can share it with your people. Let's go, all right guys, I have really, really enjoyed this one. We got special guests in the house, hey. good energy, good vibes. Hey. Go ahead, click any of the information below, check out Kakeepers Academy, because they are doing wonderful things. I look forward to going back and, and doing some more stuff about podcasting as well. We got, you know, what we got to do. We have to have a REL day where we fly you out to our school and have you shoot your podcast at the school. Let's go! And what then you want to be on my podcast. We could do a whole interview. Yeah, that would be, be dope. That would be dope. And then you, then you can you can interview some of the like the, the babies, babies like the kindergartners and stuff. They make interesting conversations. I cannot wait for folks to see the interview that the kids did. <laughs> we, we set up the podcast with the kids doing their conversation. Oh my goodness. I it, yes, yes. We tried to do it with the big kids. It wasn't quite. Oh no, we didn't get a chance to. But the kids, killed yes, me, the young babies, the young, the young, the young, the young children. The um, babies killed, yes. So we need to have an Ario day where you come, where we can get you to the school, set up the podcast, shoot right there. That'll be dope. Let's do That'll it. That'll be dope. All right, y'all. We'll stay tuned for that one because it's gonna be lit. But until next week, peace out.